Uncle Owen. Sorry to you, another bad motivator. Look. Having trouble with his drug. His drug. These two drawers. Both are hard working and will serve you well. Droid. 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 We serve their kind here. You're listening to We Serve Droids, a Star Wars podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott. And I'm Chris. And we're going to talk about The Force Awakens today, now The Last Jedi has already come out. Yes, we're very big on order. <laughs> yeah, right. Episode 4, then 5, then 6, then 1. <laughs> A true Star Wars podcast will not go in order. So uh, before we get into it though, Chris, there are two things that uh, I want to talk about. And uh, one of them is something that, that you've mentioned, which is the recently released Solo trailer. Oh yeah, I like the, uh, the I like the 40 second teaser followed by the slightly longer trailer the day after. <laughs> right, right. So um, give whatever thoughts, comments you have about that. Uh, I Honestly, I really like the teaser better than the trailer. I'm hoping that's not an indication that the less I see of this movie, the better. But I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I like, uh, uh, I've already forgotten his name. The guy they picked to play Han. Oh, yeah. He's got the hard to say name. Would that it was a simple. Would that it was a simple. I really liked him in uh, Hail Caesar. Yes, I loved him in Hail Caesar. Um, I thought he was great in that. Yeah. I didn't actually realize it was him until... I haven't really been following the solo hype train, if there even is one. Considering it's coming out in, what, three months? around that and we just now got a got a short trailer for it yeah well you know it has this very troubled um troubled history with them replacing the directors i don't know if you've seen that at all yeah i've heard about that i know is it ron howard's on it right now yes he was he was brought in to replace the guys that did 21 jump street oh i didn't know that i I knew he was brought i didn't know who he replaced so I'm excited about that. And the whole cast, actually, I think is pretty good. So I, I'm with you. I loved Ehrenreich, is his name? Alden Ehrenreich in Hell Caesar. Emilia Clark, I like her in Game of Thrones. I don't know if I'm sold on her and everything, but I do like her. Donald Glover is great. Woody Harrelson is great. Tandy Newton who has been in Westworld. I love her in that. Yeah, Amelia Clark was a complete surprise to me. I, I found out about that, like, in the trailer. Yeah, I never saw her Terminator movie, but I heard mm. it was quite bad. Yeah, I saw that. It's It was better than Terminator 3. That's, that's the highest praise I can give. <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is nothing. <laughs> right. I don't know. I have such a soft spot for all those movies. I'd probably watch the junky new one and still like it. Yeah, it, it's it's worth a watch if you like Terminator. I'll say that. I just wouldn't spend very much money on it. Right. Maybe that's a good... Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the movie looks fun. I've seen some people seem to be like kind of rooting for it to fail or something. I think that's stupid. Like, the best thing would be for it to come out and it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, if it's not, then we'll make a podcast and make fun of it, and that'll be fun too. Exactly. That's, that's where the, the fun will be had either way, either during the movie or... And it's evisceration afterward. Right. So maybe that's a perfect transition to what I want to talk about next. So in our inaugural maiden voyage of We Serve Droids, I uh, have to give like a mea culpa of a big mistake I made when we were talking about that movie. Uh-oh, what's that? Yeah, so 
at one point when we were talking about Lando, I made a joke about Billy D. Williams being in Predator, but it's Carl Weathers in Predator. Crap, that is right. Yeah. Mm. The one and only Apollo Creed. So I'm pretty, like, shook up about making this kind of a mistake. They kind of sport a similar hair, so I think they both had a mustache. I think Carl Weathers had a mustache in Predator. I mean, so according to my Google search, a lot of people make this mistake. But I feel like I ought to make some sort of amends for this or uh, some sort of penance. So apparently there is a 1990 made-for-TV movie called Dangerous Passions starring both. Carl Weathers and Billy D. Williams. That sounds like the perfect movie. <laughs> right. So I think in order to make amends for my mistake, before our next podcast, between now and then, I should wa- I should track down and watch Dangerous Passions and <laughs> report back like a book report style to let you know how it was. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. So I read two different plot summaries of Dangerous Passions and... I'm not convinced that it was a summary of the same movie. I don't think it makes much sense. But a 1990 issue of TV Guide did have a couple a couple uh, choice moments from its review that I wanted to read to you. Oh, so apparently Billy D. Williams plays some like millionaire named uh, Lou, and Carl Weathers plays either his mechanic or his bodyguard. Uh, sources were uh, not consistent about that. And TV Guide says, Carl Weathers more than fits the movie star Bill as a handsome tuna swimming among barracudas like Lou. (laughs) Matching the key's enticing performance as the self-destructive Meg is Billy D. Williams, whose Lou isn't just a grabby businessman, but a collector of souls. (laughs) (laughs) So... This is going to be a fine, you know, 90 minutes of entertainment. It sounds like a lost masterpiece, frankly. That's that's amazing. <laughs> I think so. So, <laughs> basically my plan is once I, uh, I could only find a way to, like, get it on Amazon for $15. And so once I discover a way to convince my wife that spending $15 on Dangerous Passions is a good idea, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, that's the trouble. No no more video stores you can go rent this from anymore. <laughs> well, I don't know there was ever a video store that had dangerous passions, despite the handsome tuna. <laughs> I feel to be truly appreciated. You probably need to enjoy this movie on like a very, very poor quality VHS tape with a lot of uh, a lot of grain and tracking issues. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Hopefully that's all that remains of this handsome tuna swimming among barracudas. So, with that behind us and potentially in front of us, uh, let's jump into the, I keep wanting to say Last Jedi, Jedi, into The Force Awakens. I know, I'm going to do it at least once. Look, sir. What have we here? Look, sir. What a mess. The black shield down, I can't even see. Look, sir. These aren't the droids you're looking for. So, the movie starts, you know, with... You know, we get some scrolling text, like always, and we're there on Jakku, and Oscar Isaac's uh, character is there to meet with this mysterious old guy who knows something, so feel free to take it away from there with, with anything you have. Right off the bat, I think the first line of the scrolling text is, this Luke Skywalker has vanished, and without knowing anything else about the movie, 
I just tended to assume that after the end of the Jedi, when he saw creepy Hayden Christian Force Ghost, he just he's just booked it out of there and no, it was never heard from again. <laughs> yeah, like many like many Star Wars fans, once they saw <laughs> Hayden Christensen, they disappeared. I don't like sand. Opening felt it didn't feel like a Star Wars movie, at least initially the first time I saw it. I don't know why. I guess because I think most movie I, I'm I'm gonna get gonna get uh, called out on this, but I think most of the Star Wars movies opened in space. Well, you know what it may be was the lack of the 20th Century Fox fanfare. Oh, that's true. I think they recently got the ability to do that back. Is that right? I want to say. I think I heard something about that. Or that be with the pending merger. So I was really confused about this uh, Max von Sydow character. Yeah, he he has a name, and I, I looked it up, but I can't remember it for the life of me. But I kept expecting him to say like, "Some call me Jedi Master Tim." <laughs> <laughs> what manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? <laughs> and then, like make a few things explode. <laughs> 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 it's just so like strange and mysterious for really no reason. I mean, that's why you hire. That's why you hire Max. You need that. Oh, sure. You need that in there. Yeah, I just again, I, I it was something where I expected like, oh, maybe it'll be Wedge or someone we know, and no, it's Max von Sydow. We get no backstory behind who Master Tim is, <laughs> and he's quickly dispatched about thirty seconds later. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> So, I will say, in this opening scene, I thought, like, one thing it does really well is make uh, Kylo Ren sort of like a badass. And so, um, then Kylo Ren steps out, you know, and tells Master Tim that, You were merely adopted by the darkness. (laughs) I was born into the darkness. (laughs) Or something like that. I was born into the dark side. You merely adopted it. Uh, I'm just imagining Adam Driver with the with the Bane mask on now, and I'm I really want to see that movie. Right. It, it'd make the uh, the the take that ridiculous thing offline and in, in Force Awakens so much. <laughs> yeah, we, I wish we could like cut that line into Dark Knight Returns. Actually, a few times. <laughs> it would be extremely painful. <laughs> <laughs> So, so anyway, we set up, you know, Kylo Ren is, is kind of a badass with a silly mask. So we get introduced to Poe and we get introduced to BB-8 and, um, then we're taken aboard the Star Destroyer and introduced to Finn. And I kind of like this sort of rapid character introduction that's going on the first 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. It's like, bam, new planet, new pilot, new X-Wing, new stormtroopers, new shuttle, New Star Destroyer, and we're about, what, five, six minutes into the movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it does a pretty good job of it. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I quite like the the beginning of the movie, even with the, like, mysterious Master Tim. Tim. Yeah, I think only from Poe's reaction when they kind of drag him off the shuttle onto the, uh, and, like, the hangar of the ship, he's kind of looking around and kind of, he's mirroring the audiences. <laughs> like, like, Wow. Yeah, yeah, they really introduce that early, and they keep that motif all the way through, where he and then Ray are sort of stand-ins for the audience. Mm-hmm. I quite liked that. And then just on a, I guess, funny note, I really liked the, uh, the, do I talk first, you talk first. I, I thought that was 
better executed than can you hear me now joke and <laughs> at the beginning of- I, I thought about you when i rewatched it and saw that <laughs> i was curious if i was like i wonder if chris is gonna gonna like this one or not and i thought there's no rose around so he probably will <laughs> that's a safe bet <laughs> that's, that's another thing i've got to give to to force awakens over last jedi <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the best thing about this movie is no rose <laughs> she didn't ram her ship into pose when he's about to blow up star killer base <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And don't forget to give my love to Rose. So yeah, I just liked all the establishment st- uh, shots, even for like Captain Phasma, who doesn't get much to do in this movie, um, or ever again until she dies. Yeah, I was about to um, say. <laughs> <laughs> I guess let's move on to. I just kind of get through all the Jakku stuff, and then we can go back if we have anything more to say. Uh, I also like the introduction to Ray. I don't know if this is like too obscure of a reference, but did you ever see the Miyazaki movie Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind? Yeah, yeah, it's been a little while, but I've seen that. Yeah, she has a sort of like Princess Nausicaa vibe. Like the fact that she's kind of there like scavenging around the failed Star Destroyer and has a sort of like adventurous kind of character. I, I don't know, something about it felt very Nausicaa to me. Yeah, I see that. I really liked the crashed Star Destroyer. I thought it was just a cool like... I don't know, to see like sort of after effects of the war was kind of nice. Yeah, that the whole planet kind of hinted at uh, something you know, I think everyone might like to see, like Jakku battle a Star Wars story or something like that. Just an hour and a half of just like a giant space battle. I wonder if like uh, if the, that's what turned Jakku into like a desert. Because <laughs> just... <laughs> like, the whole time I'm wondering like why. When you have the ability to, to travel from planets, why would you, why do people keep ending up on desert planets? <laughs> there do seem to be a disproportionate number of desert planets in Star Wars. Right. Yeah, it's going to be sad 30 years from now when they go to Endor and it's like a desert planet post-Death Star explosion. <laughs> it's just a desert from all the debris raining down on it. <laughs> right, right. It's total Mad Max with Ewoks. <laughs> Oh, I didn't realize how much I wanted to see that until right this minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we will before the next episode. I know. We'll, we'll leave that till when, the end. When they get up to churning out a movie a month, well, I'm sure we'll see a few of those. Right. So, um, also, like, she lives in this um, gutted out AT-AT, which I thought was cool. And it has a little bit of, like, a Wally vibe. Like, she goes in there and watches Hello, Dolly, whenever she feels lonely. <laughs> anyway, so she gets introduced to BB-8. And I always do think it's really hard to figure out the the personhood status of droids in Star Wars. Yeah, I've, I've kind of heard that brought up, you know, in some uh, some other discussion kind of uh, podcasts and things like that. It's just, you know, you don't serve their kind here. Kind of hints at maybe being, I don't know, maybe, maybe more accepted than, you know, toasters. Right. Yeah, I just thought it was weird that she's, like, freeing him from the scavenger but, like, she's a scavenger, and he is a piece of property, so, I don't know, it's really hard for me to figure out if they're persons, or if they're just machines, or if it depends on the one, or what. Yeah. Um, or, does... or more like puppies in BB-8's uh, case. <laughs> yeah. Adorable merchandise-selling puppies. <laughs> yeah. I love BB-8. <laughs> <I'm>... I, I... <laughs> I don't know why. I mean... I love that guy. It's, it's a really neat design. I... I... You know, it was. I never would have thought of that in a thousand years. No, I watched the um, a couple of the making of documentaries on the Blu-ray, and the making of BB-8 one's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm just more impressed that they actually did that with you know practical than rather than just being mm-hmm. CGI. Yeah, they apparently had like three different, three or four different BB-8s given on what 
sort of the scene called for, so like a, like a puppet one, a machine driven one, etc. It was it was pretty neat to see. Yeah, definite definite thumbs up there. That that seems like maybe one of the bigger risks they took with with that movie trying trying to replace you know the much beloved R two D two. So anyway, I mean, I like all the Ray scenes there at the start. Um, we cut back to the Star Destroyer, and Poe has been like waterboarded. And still not divulged. Oh, gosh. In my race to skip through hmm. the Jedi Master Tim scenes, I just papered over this, like, plot device that I wanted to talk about. Which is, like, the hidden map piece that leads to Luke. Yeah. Like, does anyone who's not a Batman villain leave clues scattered about to their location? <laughs> Riddle me this dynamic duo. When is a Jedi not a Jedi? Riddle me twice, Batman. What kind of pins are used in soup? Terrapins, Batman! <laughs> so, I just don't... I don't really get why Luke has apparently scattered clues to his whereabouts. But a man of many riddles, so riddle me this. What is it that is always coming but never arrives? And my other complaint about this, like, map is that it's sort of, it's the MacGuffin that drives the plot. You know, they have the map. Kylo Ren wants the map. They gotta get the map to the rebels. But then the map has nothing to do with the actual plot resolution. It's not like the plans to the Death Star in A New Hope. Yeah. It is It is nothing to do with actually winning a battle or... I mean, they could, they could have set some stakes up, like, where they actually needed Luke for some specific task. But it was very nebulous about why they needed Luke. And so I never really got the stakes of finding him in the context of the story that was being told yeah and it's i think it was mentioned a little bit later i think snoke some says something to the effect of you know if if they find him first then you know the jedi will rise but i mean he, he seems i just i don't i don't see it yeah i don't understand why that's supposed to be the case given that he's hiding yeah so i just didn't i just thought the general plot of the movie was a little clunky in that it's half get this map of Luke, half Starkiller base, and the two halves don't fit together like a map of Luke that R2-D2 has and Jedi Master Tim. Yeah, but the cynic in me says they just wanted something to shove in the droid at the beginning of the movie to give it, you know... Echoes of a New Hope. Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right, and I guess that's just where my complaint is, that it's almost like I love everything plastered on the movie, like on the plot, but the plot itself, I think is kind of stupid. Yeah, it's it seemed to go very out of its way in a lot of points just to try and, I suppose, just make the audience feel like they're, I guess, go the safe route and trying to, you know, mirror a lot of the elements of a New Hope, or at least the, you know, general characteristics. Yeah, and I, I mean, I feel like they could have done that and still had the MacGuffin actually matter to the plot. Yeah. If if my complaint makes any sense. They also just wanted those those sweet 3D CGI map renderings too, I'm sure. <laughs> right, that's probably it. So, anyway, you know, Poe gets maybe waterboarded some more <laughs> via the Force by, uh, by Kylo Ren... And Finn breaks them out. And maybe they'll like, how about I call you Finn lines a little cheesy. But 
I don't know. It has a bit of a sort of like Han Solo, nice shot kid kind of element to it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they crash, and they uh, Finn assumes that that Poe is dead, and, and takes his his really cool jacket. You know, shades of like stealing boots from the dead guy and all quiet on the Western Front, mm-hmm. but without any guilt. <laughs> just just a little bit of remorse. <laughs> so he finds Ray, and of course, somehow they end up hijacking uh, the Falcon with another cute that looks like garbage line. And we find out that like uh, Ray <clears throat> is a really good pilot. And maybe instead of Hello Dolly, she's spent the last several years watching Tokyo Drift <laughs> in her ATAT. I yeah. don't know. She feels like she really likes pulling the e-brake on the Falcon. There. Yeah, it's like we're not bound to a model anymore here, guys. We're really gonna gonna make the CGI work for us. It was just kind of funny the the raise a good pilot kind of bit. It, it looked like I felt bad for the uh, the first order guys that were trying to catch her. I felt like. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played someone against someone who's re- like way too good at Mario Kart. <laughs> and like you're thinking like, oh, this will be fun. I'll use some red shells, and they're like, <clears throat> you know, like crashing into a wall and somehow ending up on the other side of the course. <laughs> <laughs> they're like doing that weird thing where they like snake and go faster than if you just drive straight. <laughs> like she's snaking around these guys, yeah. and I felt a little bad for them. Yeah, she's she's flying through, flying through Super Star Destroyers and just. Banking turns. <laughs> right. Just generally not playing by the rules. Right, yeah. I don't know, like, that spaceships should turn like that, but I also, I don't know, I'm sure that all representations of space travel is not very good, so I, whatever. Yeah, I've, I've heard that brought up before. It's, you know, the Millennium Falcon was, I know it's supposedly been modified and this and that and the other, but apparently very extremely maneuverable for a big space freighter. Yeah, it seems like one thing that the Lucas movies took seriously that the Disney movies don't really care about, for better or worse, is it seemed like in all the Lucas movies, there was a a decent distinction between what you flew sort of in an atmosphere versus what you flew in outer space. Yeah. Like the Falcon could take off from within a planet, but it wasn't like an airplane and it wasn't like a fighter jet. Yeah. The rebels weren't using X wings on Hoth. They had to use like the snow speeders. Yes, yeah, exactly. But then they couldn't take the snow speeders to space. They had to get back into the X wings. Exactly. And you didn't see star destroyers like inside of like a planet's atmosphere <laughs> and that sort of stuff. Not until that that sweet shot in Rogue One. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so I mean, again, I don't know. I I like that sort of consistency in the old movies, but it's not anything I'm like crying over having lost. I like how it's taken 30 years, but the Falcon's finally been uh, downgraded from a piece of junk to garbage. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Just just took 30 years of sitting in the desert, presumably. Right, right. So, speaking of piece of junk, uh, garbage, we now get the Falcon being boarded by none other than our good friends Han Solo and Chewbacca. Yeah, and they're... they're uh giant space freighter that Finn somehow mistakes for a first order ship. <laughs> yeah. that doesn't make a lot of sense given he's supposed to be like, I know all the first order gear. Mm, yeah. He just killed that for me. <laughs> it's like, look, I, I know, I know you're just, the audience doesn't know what that ship is and you're trying to make it seem like anyone but Han Solo is going to walk through the door, but he does and utters <clears throat> chewy. We're home. Yeah. And this really reeks of like, was shot for the trailer. Yeah. And I remember being in the trailer, being really cool there, and then watching the movie, it was kind of lame. 
Yeah, it, it's one of those scenes that I don't, I don't know if you notice sometimes that you know well, you'll notice in a trailer, but won't be in the final cut of a movie. I think that that could yeah. that could have easily been one of those. Yeah, I think that would have been a wise move actually. But apparently, they had at one point I thought this was going to be like an overly massive coincidence. A wizard did it, the force kind of thing <laughs> that he would find them. But apparently, he has been like trying to find it or looking for it or tracking the falcon. Yeah, and I mean another interesting side story more interesting than the actual story going on would be uh you know where where the hell has the falcon been all this time (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. so if you just say like ring 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 i'll drop in like a bell sound and ring the bell whenever we get to an element in the movie that was like a better there's a more interesting story than the movie we actually saw (laughs) I forgot about this. I meant to ring the bell way back for Master Tim, because I want to know who... Max Van... Is it Sidow or Sindow? Yeah, Max Van Sidow. I wanted to know who Max Van Sidow is. I thought that would have been a more interesting story than what I was actually watching. And I think that (laughs) hunting down... the, The Falcon getting lost and hunting it down also looks like a more... Like a tighter, more interesting story. Oh, get ready for Falcon, a Star Wars story. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) <laughs> that's right yeah this ringing the bell bit is like a joke but it's really gonna happen you better have those units from the south lanes repaired by midday or it'll be hell to say we'll see you in hell see you in hell so, I, I will say about these uh, sort of falcon scenes with Han Chewie Ray, and Finn is I I love the whole um, idea that the original trilogy material has become sort of mythic now, uh, 20, 30 years later, however far we are. You know, one person knows Han Solo as like a famous smuggler, the other one knows him as a famous war hero, and they sort of approach the thoughts about like the Jedi and the Force as like not knowing if any of that's real. I just thought that was like a really cool, cool feature of this story. Yeah, it's... I guess there's a, a maybe a big maybe government sort of vacuum in the galaxy now with the Empire gone and, you know, the lackluster Republic and First Order elements just kind of hanging around. Maybe it may be kind of uh, like systems maybe kind of, you know, become very isolated. So right. I, I, yeah, I, I, I could see, that. you know, a lot of what happened to the, you know, oppressive Empire that was here and just rumors abounding. Say what you will about Palpatine. He made the train for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> there's some like racist guys saying yeah. that on every system <laughs> everyone everyone's lost all of their uh their government contracts for you know, for for right for uh the regular tie fighters and old style stormtrooper right. armor right that leads into this scene where now the han solo's freighter is is uh boarded and boy, did this seem like an unnecessary yep. action sequence. Boarded simultaneously by two different independent groups. <laughs> right. This was just totally pointless. Yeah, all these transferring miniature space asteroid worms that he... <laughs> that he uh... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it seemed like the movie they just spent to, like a sunk cost fallacy. Like, we spent this much money doing it, we can't cut it now. Yeah. That's what it sort of seemed like to me. Yeah, there had to have been a cleaner way to get them just all back on the Falcon. Yeah, like, they just could have taken the whole thing 
to Maz's planet, but landed the Falcon, and then just sort of abandoned it, and I don't think anyone would have really cared. Or it could have gotten blown up in space by the First Order or something. Yeah, one thing I didn't remember until the the rewatch, or this rewatch, or didn't realize, was just how long the sequence was of them being in the ship and finding the guy and running from the monsters. And it just, it, it did take what felt like a really long time. I guess just because, you know, I had lost the first watch, uh, rose-tinted glasses, so to speak, and I was just kind of waiting for this to get over with so the story could get on. Right, right. I wonder if there's any scenes in the original trilogy that feel that way now. Maybe some of the asteroid stuff in Empire? But I don't really think so. Yeah, I mean, I've I've rewatched a lot of the original trilogy more than I have this, and this is probably my, I don't know, maybe third or fourth time seeing uh awakens and it's yeah starts parts of it are starting to feel tedious where i can't really recall you know what it's like is in the phantom menace when they go from the gungan city to padme amidala's city like through the planet core oh, oh, oh. i don't know why i sounded like count chocula when i tried to do a boss nas but uh that stupid scene where they keep like fleeing from a bigger fish and then another bigger fish. Yes. Like, it happens twice. And yes. you're like, didn't I just see the same? It, that's what this is like. It's like the voyage through the planet core. Both of those things should just have been cut completely out. There's always a bigger fish. <laughs> right. <I> wish, <laughs> there's always a bigger space monster being transported <laughs> by Han Solo. Oh, uh, I can, I, I bet you anything that got scrapped. Like there is, Oh, release the space monster on Han Solo's freighter. But wait, here comes the bigger space monster to... <laughs> right. right. At least they didn't double down on it like the giant fish and Phantom Menace. <laughs> so, I don't know. I could have done without that, but whatever. Um, so we get that scene, and then we get back to Kylo Ren. And we get our first look at Snoke, I think, at this point. Who's found mm-hmm. out that um, they still don't have the plans to to Luke Skywalker? Yeah, he he seems very just like we talked about a second ago. Just I don't see what the preoccupation with the, the map is when you've just finished your planet sized super weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it really buried the lead here. One thing that I couldn't the first time I watched it's not it's not something I wondered about now, but when I watched the movie the first time before having now seen, um, last Jedi was I was trying to figure out if Snoke was like really, really big. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like a real size projection. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't immediately, immediately apparent. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's a pretty big galaxy. You think somewhere there is a planet of just like really big people, right? Yeah, like maybe there's maybe he's just a huge like a dude the size of a rancor. Why not? Yeah, like uh, World Four and like Mario Brothers Three. You know, <laughs> it's like whoa, everything's big here. <laughs> so I'm a little disappointed that it turned out he wasn't huge. But also... honestly, that, that would that would have been a much better uh, <laughs> made for a much better uh, sequence in, in in the Last Jedi. They have to like fly around his giant head and shoot it like at the end of Star Fox <laughs> on Nintendo 64. Yes. <laughs> and they blow up his head and it's a brain. <laughs> Supreme Leader Andros. Right. <laughs> Do a barrel roll, fan. Only I have the brains to rule the first story. <laughs> um, but now that we know that it's a giant projection, it's kind of funny because 
the giant projection is still looking down at them, which makes me think that from like in Snoke's room where he's watching this, they must be projected like really tiny. <laughs> right? That's the only way for the perspective yeah. to make sense. <laughs> There's like a uh oh like a little tiny uh the ta- like the holographic chess table or whatever from, from the balcony <laughs> yeah. just just kind of sitting on the floor. <laughs> I like to think he puts them in a little dollhouse. <laughs> he puts like some fun clothes on them. <laughs> yes, now you're pretty. <laughs> I, I I wanted Finn's job to be, uh, oh, I, I had to carve this giant throne out of rock for our supreme leader to project a giant holographic image of himself. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's still there. Yeah, it's really got a castle Grayskull uh, aesthetic to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was cool. It was. Uh, you know, it wasn't immediately apparent, you know, like, is this his actual lair? You know, like, where is this exactly taking place? Yeah, so this is also the scene where we hear one of the things that gets abandoned by Last Jedi is uh, Snoke says something like, Even you, Master of the Knights of Ren. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I don't, what is that? <laughs> I feel like we could have gotten like a nice little uh, musical interlude, you know, like we're knights of the Ren table. We dance whenever <laughs> we're able. <laughs> we say hey there, hey there, hi ho. We love our leader Kylo. <laughs> I'm sorry, trying to uh, rhyme these stupid Star Wars names is not easy. Oh, uh, I've got a I've got a script idea for for Knights of Ren, a Star Wars story, or anything for Disney right now. Right. So, I don't know. I don't think there's more to say about them other than a musical. I mean, even if... <laughs> that just occurred to me. What's, uh, why is, uh, Supreme Leader so large? It's only a model. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> we totally need that guy. Oh. <laughs> that's, a, that's perfect. Cutting back to, uh... Han and Ray. I think one thing that the the movie does very nicely in a in a compact space is make a sort of like almost father daughter relationship between them. That kind of gets built up when he like offers her a job before they go into uh, to Maz's place. I mean, I don't have any more to say about that. But they go into Maz's, and I kind of feel like Maz's is like a Tatooine mullet. It's Jabba's palace in the front, Cantina in the back. <laughs> I think that would be like my Yelp review of Mart Maz's bar. <laughs> I don't know if you have any like possible Yelp reviews. You know, cooler Cantina. The band plays reggae. I mean, after the the Maz's, you know, questionability called into held up in uh, Last Jedi. I'm kind of wondering, you know, like who who else is like. What are the occupations of the people occupying that? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I, I thought another Yelp review would be like, great music upstairs, sound of children screaming downstairs. <laughs> but maybe, like, the screams are legitimate now. Yeah. Tons of people, no parking lot. <laughs> you notice that? There's no road that goes there. There's, like, a couple ships parked yeah. in the woods. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, the one ship Finn tried to hop on, but... And then, oh, for a, for a nice... Uh, how in the hell did Maz end up with Luke's lightsaber? You know my theory on it. I want to hear this, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just assume, I mean, after after Last Jedi, I assume she got it, 
you know, after murdering some, you know, Cloud City maintenance workers in a union dispute or something like that. <laughs> I've had supply problems of every kind. I've had labor difficulties. I <laughs> like that. <laughs> you think the, uh, in Empire Strikes Back, the Ugnaughts were brought in as, like, scabs on Cloud City? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lando's running the joint. He's got to get him make that. Gotta mind that Tabana however possible. Lobots, the guy they bring in once they hear that like the United Auto Workers have come in. Like <laughs> Lobot will shut down any union activity. <laughs> yeah, they even like hint at like how silly it is that she has it. And she's like, Oh, that's a story for another day. <laughs> no. As in, sh- shut up and move past this. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question, but have you seen this? And she pulls like a quarter out <laughs> from behind, like Han Solo's ear. Oh no, the first order's here. Right. Better be going, kids. Right. Oh. Um, other things that I had to say about the, uh, the Maz Isley Cantina. nice is that uh like i really liked like 99 percent of the aliens and robots in it i thought they were really cool i need to go back and look at them again yeah there's some really neat ones nothing stood out and i think that's probably a good sign i wasn't nothing was bad enough for me to go like what were they thinking (laughs) okay that happened to me twice (laughs) the first is um so, you know, they get spotted, like they get spotted by some woman who sees them for the, the first order and another person, another robot who spots them for the, uh, what are the rebels called now? The resistance? Oh, the resistance. Yeah. And the robot that found them for the resistance looks like it should be watching like crappy movies with, uh, John Servo, uh, John Servo <laughs> <laughs> from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. It's got like you gotta rewatch this. He has like a micro like a microphone for his mouth and like <laughs> like two washers or like nuts for his eyes. <laughs> See that's that's the tragedy because I would have much, much been more more ready to accept just them putting, you know, a, a robot from Mystery Science Theater just unashamedly just putting that in the movie well, as opposed to just cobbling together some crap from the uh, spare parts bin. Yeah, this this robot really screams like, you know, the ones that even Uncle Owen was too dumb to buy off the Jawas. <laughs> like, that have, like, bolts glued onto them for eyes. Like, this is a really shitty looking robot. And they give it, like, a line. Like... It has a speaking role. The, the other thing, this is one of those things that, I don't know, this happens a lot in Star Wars, where I guess just because I've watched the movie so many times, I see something that kind of like tickles me and it just makes me laugh more and more every time I watch it. And um, so, I don't know, like, if you have the ability to like pull the time up right now, but at some point, yeah. I want you to go to one hour, three minutes, and 53 seconds. I actually have it in the movie queued up for just, just such an occasion. Right. So, there's, like, a random guy wearing a fur coat that covers half his face and giant Kanye West glasses. Let's see. Finn's walking out the door. Right. Is that the right Yeah, scene? look to the right of the door with giant fur coat and Kanye West's plastic sunglasses. Oh, my God. 
It's the kind of thing you can never notice. But once you do, you never unsee him. And the weird thing is, is he, like, teleport. There's, like, a weird continuity error where, like, ten seconds later, he's in a totally different part. So you just start watching from there. It, like, cuts away from Ray and then cuts back to Ray. Oh, And then he's, yes. like, appeared suddenly in front of her. Clearly there's two of them. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. This is getting out of hand. No, there's two of them. Or whatever that quote is from. Right. From, and like just when he in that shot when he was to the side of the door, I just I think I just assumed he was some kind of uh, creature with fur. Or something like that. Not, <laughs> yeah. Not not the flyest dude in the galaxy. Right. <laughs> yes. Maybe he's like the manager for the reggae band. <laughs> I don't. I won't. I mean, I'm tempted to ring the bell for that guy because uh, I yeah, really I, I, need to know his story. I, I need that origin movie right now. <laughs> right. So, the other, like, so I guess, like, sometime around here in the movie, we also cut to, to Kylo, who also, in the, like, World's Goodest Mystery Departments, has Darth Vader's mask. <laughs> How did he get that? Yeah, I remember that being in the trailer, and like, what 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 shady Ewok pulled that out of the out of the box <laughs> right. for a souvenir? <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe it like played a certain note on his xylophone of some <laughs> Like, oh, I need a <laughs> I need a C sharp. This will do. Oh, uh, was that was that still in the uh, oh the recap movie? Was that part mm-hmm. of the Yub Yub song, or was that part they of the, just in the movie? The, it was in the Yub Yub song, but they sort of kept it. But it sounds less like kind of crappy. <laughs> so, so anyway um so we're here and finn does his like han solo like oh i've got my you know i'm gonna leave now routine right yeah. i'm not in this for your revolution kid <laughs> right, right. whatever whatever the line is. yes and he books passage with like a, a giant goblin and like a <laughs> uh like a cylon <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trust that goblin. The point, like, I was worried it was going to fly him to, like, you know, David Bowie's labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> this, was it? Hey, we, we might can get that crossover movie now, depending on how this uh, this merger goes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's got to be canonical Star Wars. That and Dark Crystal. I don't care how it happens. <laughs> if we get ET, we get Jareth the Goblin King. Exactly. You remind me of the babe. Babe with the power. Um, uh. So, whew, man, a lot going on in this scene. So, Ray hears the, like, children screaming. <laughs> the children are screaming! The children are screaming! Which we now know are probably, like, union workers. <laughs> and she goes down. Or, or children of union workers being held as hostages. <laughs> right. We might have to relocate the plant. Or your family. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have altered the D. <laughs> right. Pray I don't alter it further. Um, and so uh, Ray touches the mystery, mysterious origin uh, Luke Saber, and we get like a cool little vision. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I guess I wanted to pack a little bit of the vision. We get uh, like Ray being left as a child, right? Yeah, with um, with the. Uh... Oh, that's mine, monster guy. Yes. Yeah, with, with with him of all people. Right, yeah. This is the guy from earlier in the movie who buys spare parts from Ray and says, 
I'll give you 60 plastic bags for that Dredroid. <laughs> like, that dude uses, like, Capri Suns for currency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know Jakku is bad when they're trading Capri Suns for currency. Yeah. <laughs> so, we also get Luke touching R2. Is that meant to, like, is that Luke hiding the other half of the map? Um, I don't know. I, I, that scene always kind of seemed maybe a little bit out of out of place, or just audiences getting kind of Luke antsy at this point. So they wanted to shoot, shoot, shoehorn some, you know, some Luke in without having to, you know, actually get to uh, Octu or, or however you say that planet's name. New Dagobah. Yeah, New Dagobah. <laughs> let's let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. So that was my thought when I watched it the first time. Because it's kind of because R two does a nice job of like establishing it's Luke, and you don't have mm-hmm. to show Luke's face yet. But then it had a feeling like uh, in Wrath of Khan when uh, Spock just like walks up to McCoy and says like "Remember" <laughs> to like set up, go like you know, storing Spock's memories for the Star Trek Three Abomination. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know if that was going on. If he was doing his like Vulcan mind meld with R two. Hey, yeah. whatever gets us Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon, I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> so, um, and then in the in the in the trailer, we get Kylo Ren confronting, I guess Luke, and with them are those the Knights of the Ren table. Yeah, the, I kind of i I kind of step through this scene slowly because those guys in the background are really poorly lit, but they kind of look like uh, if you if you squint the scene, squint at the scene, they might look, think it's something out of uh, you know like Rashomon or mm-hmm. Seven Samurai or something like that. What I think you're trying no. to say is that they were singing, we wear capes and leather and suck a lot. We like to drink blue milk a lot. That's the last time, that's, I swear. That's, that's, that's never getting old. <laughs> right. I won't do it anymore. I mean, it's the scene lends itself to being having having a new audio <laughs> dubbed over because they, they, they just kind of stand there silently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, so we get pulled out of the division, and um, Maz has, like, this kind of weird... I don't know, like, what what's her relationship with the Force supposed to be? I'm not sure. I, I remember it... I don't I forget who said this or mentioned this, but uh, that she'd been running that that bar for close to a thousand years? Yeah, Han says it. Which is, and that's, that's, that's some Yoda numbers up there. Yeah. In terms of age, so I don't know if that's just yeah. I mean, that can certainly lead to some some force cred in that respect. If she's living an extraordinarily long life, maybe. Yeah, that, I mean, it's just not how long they live. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. She strikes me like, yeah. I guess she's like force since. I mean, she could like. Well, she doesn't predate Jedi, like the Jedi institution, because that was like a thousand generations, not a thousand years. Yeah, I mean, she's probably around. I mean, maybe older than Yoda, maybe? Yeah. Because Yoda was, what, 800 in Jedi? And that was 30 years ago? He was so. 900 in Return of the Jedi. Oh, 900. I'm sorry. So she's yeah. she's probably... She and Yoda may have uh, may have had a thing. Yeah. Who knows? That's that's the origin <laughs> stories that we're... That'll be the rated R origin <laughs> stories. Um, God, I have not. I don't know. Um, I just think, like... I guess she's like some sort of force user and like she collects these kind of force relics maybe. I don't know. I bet she puts like spiritual but not religious on her Facebook status. Facebook religion. (laughs) 
She's got one of those like coexist stickers on her Prius. Yes. Their space Prius she drives to uh t- to murder union delegates. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't have anything anything more to say about that, except that's when we learn I guess this is the point in the movie where we learn that the first order has like not just a Death Star, but like a mega Death Star. Yeah. I liked uh the Nurem- space Nuremberg rally they had <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right before they fired it. So I don't know why I'm trying to turn this into like Monty Python cast, but <laughs> I wanted like the scene from the back, like in Life of Brian, like the Blessed or the Cheesemakers scene from Life of Brian, where like the oh. last row stormtroopers have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> you just seem to have like a disproportionate number of uh, people behind them that I'm sure can't hear a word of what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of like in high school when they make everyone like go outside and watch like a simulated car wreck so we don't like drink and drive at the prom or something. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Everybody go outside. There's a special safety announcement by Commander Hux. <laughs> <laughs> we want everyone to have a fun time in the war against the <laughs> New Republic, but we'd like you to stay safe. Yeah, just. In case you didn't need, you know, you weren't sure if, if the First Order was evil or not, here's a giant, you know, red and black swastika banner. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, man. If it was made now, they'd all have tiki torches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I guess, uh, to go back to, I mean, I guess I'm the one who brought up the Megadeth Star. You know, so they blow up... Coruscant, something that I didn't really realize when I watched the movie like a year ago, is I guess that's really necessary for making the resistance like it. They really seem like, oh, that's it. There's no more New Republic because we blew up the capital, which made like the rest of the movie make a little bit more sense now than maybe I thought it did. I don't know. So get this, that that wasn't Coruscant apparently. What? I know. It's, as I looked this up after the fact, I was like, oh, they blew up Coruscant. Apparently, the New Republic established their their capital on the Hosnian system, and that's what that was. That's what we got, that's what what was destroyed. But yeah, I thought. I mean, that kind of got me wondering, like, what what happened to to Coruscant? Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you not you know establish any kind of government there? How will the New Republic and, maintain control without the bureaucracy? <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. So. And they kind of got me wondering just how encompassing or, you know, what kind of actual influence did the New Republic government have if they were governing from this... Yeah, backwoods, yeah, this, POS, yeah, this, this non, non-Coruscant. Yeah. Like, this is like a shit republic. I've lost all respect <laughs> for the New Republic. Yeah. So, I mean, for all we know, First Order's, you know, operating out of Coruscant now. Yeah. Or, you know, always was. Yeah, I feel lied to. You blow up a city a planet-sized city yeah i mean it, i don't think it was ever mentioned by by name no in the movie either no this is i don't know i feel lied to by the movie well let's just yeah move I, on. Mean, I, I was under the i was under the same impression yeah so um next you'll be telling me the uh resistance headquarters isn't yavin 4 <laughs> <laughs> it did look exactly like it um they 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 just moved the buildings too i mean yeah. they've got a they got a jungle motif going on they can't ruin that right right um <laughs> there's no salt here <laughs> <laughs> i love that salt guy so i like the whole action sequence there on 
outside the Mos Eisley Cantina. I don't have anything like worth saying about it other than that I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I, John Williams still has it. I, I, I'm a big fan of the uh, the March of the Resistance. I think it's called that uh, that score that comes in. Um, I thought it was funny that you see Kylo Ren on the on the bridge of the uh, I guess the only Star Destroyer you see in this movie firing and then shortly thereafter he's he's on the planet on, on maz's planet yeah he can move almost <laughs> as fast as that guy with the fur coat almost there's 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 no one faster in the galaxy than, 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 yeah. than the guy with the fur coat i really wish he had been dropped into um monte Calderon oh, somewhere <laughs> there's a special edition uh last jedi he needs to he needs to get uh hayden christensen hayden christensen christensen in there i mean we need to do a frame by frame analysis and see if he's in there somewhere. Right. I gotta, I gotta find out if there's like an action figure oh, of that guy. Surely. I need that thing in my life. Come on, Disney. I know you're listening to this. Just, just hold off on that lawsuit <laughs> right. for about fifteen minutes <laughs> and, and, and crank out one <laughs> of those figures. Say. Um, so, um, they board the ship and go back to Resistance Base Yavin Five, and. Um, they find out that uh, R2 is in low power mode, which I just think is funny. <laughs> He's in standby. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, Ray's been, like, kidnapped. And I thought the scene where Kylo looks into Ray's mind was kind of terrifying. In what way? Um, I guess just the, that's just a scary thought. Someone sort of knowing your thoughts, yeah. knowing your secrets. And that being something that he was able to do. And that he said it in an almost showing you, look what I'm doing, be scared about this kind of way, was a nice villain move. He kind of had that kind of the tables turned on him as well. And I've, I've heard this explained for why Ray maybe picked up on a few things, despite having no training, was maybe she got to gotta pick up a few oh. tricks from inside of, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a two-way street, maybe. I have a radical idea. The door swings both ways. We could reverse the particle flow through the gate. I'm not sure if that's what they intended, but I like that explanation. I'll take that. Yeah, that's I like that headcanon. Yeah, and I thought that, again, so I think it makes Kylo very scary, and I like the way it gets reversed. So then, you know, they get the, like, you know, we need to go blow up the Mega Death Star scene in Yavin 5. I don't know. This is maybe where the movie starts to lose me a little bit, is all the Mega Death Star scenes, the sort of final act. Just, did it just feel too familiar? Yeah, and, like, it just seems, like, too easy to blow up. I mean, even they make a joke about it. Rahan's like, there's always a way to blow it up. Oh, uh, this is this is effectively the third one. They've yeah, done. right. I don't know. I, I, let's just keep going. So, they gotta go blow it up and simultaneously rescue Ray. And, I don't know, I mean, you have any thoughts about... I mean, either anything I missed on Yavin 5. Oh, yeah, like, how the heck did Poe get back to Yavin 5? <laughs> I don't know. You any thoughts about Mega Death Star scenes, or want to take us through the Mega Death Star scenes? Um, I'm not sure if it's if it's ding 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 worthy, but I, I think I kind of touched on this in the Last Jedi. Just I don't I don't get the the First Order's uh, where they get their resources from for this for this kind of outfit. I think we only see just the one ship in this movie, and you know Star Killer Base, and same thing with the Resistance. You see just a handful of X wings, and you're just kind of wondering. You know, what, what's the actual scale of these two organizations? And I don't know, just kind of all that boring behind-the-scenes stuff that no one really cares about, I'm sure. Yeah. I thought um, one thing that I sort of liked about it, but maybe it opened up a big hole that I'm not sure um, how to film. Insert any window here. I kind of liked that 
so the the base like uses up the sun. That's my understanding. And I liked that as that happened, the planet got colder and colder. Hmm. This was something I didn't really realize when I saw it the first time, but I saw now, but I realized now, and I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I didn't actually fully realize that until you just said. It. I just assumed they were on a, a pole or something like that, but that's exactly the case. Yes, it's pretty warm when they when they're when they're at the Nuremberg, you know, rally. And then it slowly gets colder and it's all blizzardy near the end. But I feel like it undersells how cold using up the sun would actually make it. <laughs> Ray Romano ought to be voicing like a woolly mammoth, like 10 minutes into using up the sun. <laughs> like it should be Ice Age, North of the Wall, you know, Land of Always Winter, Never Christmas, like really fast. <laughs> when they start using up the sun like that. Yeah. I'm not sure if they were planning to use this weapon long term for, you know, galactic <laughs> yes. terror, but you, you kind of got a finite number of shots here, guys. Right. Like, I'm not sure how much how much galactic terror you're going to be instill and be able to instill when word gets out that, you know, your super weapon's got two or three shots in it. Yeah, that's what I really could not figure out is does this thing somehow move to a new sun or do you have to build a whole new one i don't know how big the planet is just objectively speaking i assume it's i mean indoor was a moon and it was you know massive compared to the bigger second death star so i mean i assume this thing's got just a huge chunk of material in it but i mean i can't imagine them being able to move that thing around yeah it doesn't make any sense like how or how anyone could stay alive on it after it uses up the sun that it's orbiting yeah a huge waste of, of government spending, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they were able to very affordably build it due to Maz's uh, <laughs> union busting. <laughs> Labor costs were way down. Yes. Came in under budget. If that's the way it goes, then just like let it, just abandon Yavin 5, let them blow it up, and, you know, they kind of fired their, their load and there's no more. Yeah. I don't know. This was very confusing to me. I understand the need to one-up the Death Star. At that point, you know, where do you go? So I don't know. This whole Mega Death Star just makes no sense to me. Yeah. Also, I mean, we'll go back to Han, but during the climactic moment, the sort of climactic lightsaber battle, I thought it was a little cheap that it ends by an earthquake opening up a fault line that separates the two central characters. I mean, I haven't seen a randomly open fault line serve a plot like that since Littlefoot got separated from his family <laughs> in Land Before Time. You, you know the answer, Scott. The Force did it. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. This whole, like, final act, I felt like the wheels kind of come off the TIE Fighter. yeah. I could almost see them having just written this first and then going back and be like, all right, here's where we're ending. Got to figure out how we get there. And then the actual creative stuff just coming out so much better. So what do you think about the Han Solo death scene? Now, you know, having seen an episode eight. So the way I understood the from from the rumor mill, Harrison Ford, I think, got injured on, on set and I think just decided that he wanted out. So this was kind of hastily added. Is that is that accurate? Oh. That would make sense. This was this was just. I'm not sure how how truthful this is or not. This is just rumor. That's just right. that's just what I heard. It just even still. I mean, before I heard about that, it just it did seem kind of all right, Chewy. I'm going to split up and everything's going to be all right. I'm going to you know you take the detonator by the way. I'm just going <laughs> to go down here. 
<laughs> next to this next to this bridge over the abyss, and I'll I'll see you later. Scooby, you and Shaggy go to that <laughs> scary part of the abandoned mansion, and me, Daphne, and Velma will you know go to the living room. Zoinks! It was old man Ren this whole time. <laughs> this death scene really pissed me off when I first watched it. Um, I don't want to say it pissed me off. I guess I just I just thought eh, about it, but now. You know, a year later, I'm much less negative about it. I guess now that I know it's coming, my biggest complaint was that I thought that it didn't sell Kylo Ren's motivation for doing it. No, I I still don't think it does. And that's, it's funny because when this movie came out, everyone was like, oh, it's, you know, it's good Star Wars again. Boo, prequels, hooray for this movie. And I thought the single worst thing the prequels did was not not motivate Anakin's turn to the dark side. Yeah. Like that was supposed to be the story we were getting, and he goes to killing younglings, you know, zero to 60 in like three seconds. Yeah. It's, they, they, they essentially forgot about that until, until the third movie. Yeah, and I felt like this movie does the exact same thing. Patricide is not a small thing for a character to do. You know, it takes Oedipus a couple, you know, plays to do it a few thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. And to have Kylo Ren do it so quickly, suddenly, without motivation, I thought was a little cheap. And then even sort of after the fact, when we've kind of learned more about his quote-unquote tragic backstory, I'm not sure why he feels all this anger towards Han, unless he just kind of blames him for sending him off with Luke in the first point. Right. Yeah, I get not liking your dad because you got sent to boarding school. Yeah. But, like, that's supposed to lead to, like an angsty, you know, catcher in the rye night on town. You know, Holden <laughs> Caulfield didn't murder anyone. <laughs> anyway, so I still think it's badly done, and I think people forgave it very quickly and easily, and I'm okay with that. But I just want to say that I, I thought it was badly done, but now that, like, I've sort of made my peace with it, and now rewatching it a year later, which is what, you know, this this podcast was sort of about, us, us rewatching it, I find it less problematic I actually thought the scene where it happens, Adam Driver does as good a job as the plot and the screenplay led him with it. Yeah, he he didn't get a lot of room to to really, he didn't really have a lot of opportunities to impress you. And this was, I think, probably the only one, really, where I thought it was, he had a chance to actually execute something well. Yeah, and I just thought, on the rewatch, he seems very torn about it. And he seems like, I don't want to do this, but I need to do it for my, you know, training to become Kylo Ren. And, you know, he has that, like, will you help make this easier for me? And really he means, like, help make it easier for me to kill you. Yeah. And I thought that he does a great job with that. And even though I think it's a bad plot point and a bad part of the movie, I've made my peace with it. The scene is actually touching to me now in a way that it just was not a year ago. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with I don't think I was ever as upset about it as you were initially, but yeah, I completely agree with all your all your points about it. it it's so bad it's almost it's not up for debate. It's just a it's a point of fact that it's just not, not very well done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I also I for whatever reason I I felt like the movie does the makes me feel most sorry for like Chewbacca at this scene. Yeah. I did in a lot of ways like Chewie's pain, you know, howl was at least actually what I, you know, I thought was it, it. It it hurt me more than actually watching Han die in a lot of ways. And I also understand the need to 
at least in Ray's eyes, have her, I guess, a, a reason to hate Kylo Ren in that respect. Yeah. I think the movie should have somehow given us Han leaving Leia and Kylo before Kylo goes to the dark side. And, like, I know that would make Han into a jerk, but and not that it justifies killing him, but I think that it would make the movie work a lot better. It would make Kylo being, like, hurt that Han is sort of taking Rey in, in a way that I think seems very real. They could have gone full up episode four mirroring and had them had them leave and come back in and, you know, flat out of the sun at the last minute and blow up Starkiller right. There is so in the in the destruction of the the Mega Death Star, there is this like one guy that cracks me up. They do their like first pass over the target, and one guy's like, "Great shot, woo!" And this other guy's like, "But it's still standing." <laughs> and it's like, "Well, thanks, Captain Buzzkill." <laughs> you know, Party Pooper Squadron standing by. <laughs> I guess just now it's fair game for any like random comments or stuff you thought was funny or like ah we hit on i think i'm just looking over my notes we hit on everything i think i guess and maybe in in another just probably no one cares about or is actually probably very boring was 3po's red arm (laughs) (laughs) yeah 3po wants us to care a lot about it yeah (laughs) i will say so when i first saw the movie i don't know if it's that i was the the trailer had me really excited for it. And then I was a little underwhelmed for the movie itself. But now I've sort of come back around and I like it a lot. And I think that I'll enjoy watching it, you know, moving forward. I think that I'll sort of develop the relationship to it that I have to a lot of the Star Wars movies. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. That, that, that just reminded me of this. I remember feeling very angry when the trailer came out. Because it seemed to be a very blatant like nostalgia like pander yes i remember feeling odd because i felt like simultaneously excited about it and then just on another level realizing that this is just they're they're just playing on your nostalgia you've got a <laughs> you've got to fight this <laughs> you yeah, got to fight the dark like, side yeah like this was like star wars high school reunion yeah i was prepared for the movie to be a blatant uh I guess Disneyfication of, you know, something that, or, you know, a franchise that I really enjoyed, but a lot of it was played very safe. And I think that, you know, for the first one out of the gate like this, that's, that's probably the the better thing to do than, you know, taking wild risks because people are, (laughs) even after the first one, people are still very, uh, polarized by, uh, risk taking when it comes to Star Wars, as we've seen, (laughs) which I can honestly say about this movie, I, I like all of the characters. It doesn't have any characters I, I, I love <laughs> this 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 movie. Who, who is your favorite character in the movie? Ooh, that's a tough one. In Awakens, it's 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 hard not to like Ray. Hmm. I'm just gonna limit this to new characters, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chewbacca. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think Adam Driver did a did a good job with you know what he had to work with. All things considered, he's he's not really a you know his villain isn't very uh, two dimensional. You know, it has some, you know, it has some depth to it. Pose, uh, Pose character was, I mean, even though he didn't get a whole lot of screen time, you know, it was impressive. I would say my favorite new character was BB-8. I'm a little sad that he didn't get more to do in Last Jedi. Not that it needs to go full, like, Swiss Army Knife prequel R2-D2. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, 
he has a jet he has a go-go gadget jetpack yeah <laughs> but i just thought the design on him was so cool and so fun and so cute that it was it was really neat it made a lot of the early scenes i don't know it was nice to see something that i just thought looked really cool it's just hard, so hard to do that now i'm looking forward to you know watching it again you know in the future and Fun and the goofy stuff that always makes me laugh, you know, like <laughs> like that, uh, like the how oh, they maintain control of the bureaucracy guy in a new hope. <laughs> I don't know all those like small secondhand guys, like everyone in the cantina. They all, that kind of stuff always just makes me laugh and uh, fur coat it's always guy. So much fun for me, yeah. So I, I changed my answer. Fur, fur coat guy is my my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. So well, I guess. You know, uh, maybe it's time to sign off and create Wikipedia pages for the fur coat guy. (laughs) (laughs) Before we do, I'd like to give a a preview of of coming attractions. So our our plan is to have this out on uh, March 1st. You know, if you've listened to this and liked it, uh, if you could give us a good review on iTunes or any sort of review thing, that would be very appreciated. And our plan for our next episode is is that Chris and I are going to rewatch the old... We didn't really decide. Are we going to watch both the Ewok movies? I didn't know there were plural... Are they are they full-length movies, or are they just like little half-hour kind of they TV movies? They were like one and a half hours. I mean, I don't... So we're not going to go through it like we did with this, like because I don't expect anyone else to actually watch these things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's clearly what the internet's clamoring for is a very, very like a three hour long review of <laughs> each of the each of the Ewok movies. Right. Uh that brings us to frame <laughs> number one thousand twenty eight, where yeah. Wicket's fur is not as slightly different. <laughs> but yeah, I mean I'll um I'll probably try and maybe try and do both of them in fairly in you know quick succession, so I'll, I'll come. I'll come prepared to to talk about one or both. Let's yeah. Let's we'll do that. I just can't imagine that. I think that we'll we'll talk about them pretty quickly and describe them and have fun talking about them and making jokes about them and we can do both. So fair listeners out there, you don't have to watch the Caravan of Courage and the Battle for Endor. We are going to watch these, and we are going to tell you how good or bad they may be, how fun they are to watch, and you will hear us talking about it and joking about it, and hopefully having fun with you about it will live on in our hearts and in our podcast until Disney sues us and takes it down. <laughs> Which, knowing them, might be very, very soon. <laughs> they'll, they'll find out about this before publication, even. <laughs> right. Well, I would like to uh, thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Computer Music All-Stars, who has the audio that we were allowed to sort of re-edit for the intro music. And uh, until next time, uh, we'll see you later. It was fun talking to you, Chris. Same to you. See you next time. You guys look like... What do they look like, Jimmy? Dorks. (laughs) They look like a couple of dorks.